Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like him. Man, what a time of worship that was. I'm telling you, that last song, I'm, one of the, I'm gonna run. I'm just going to, I, I'm, I, I was creeping down this way toward Jimmy. I was creeping. I turned around one point. I'm like, these are new people behind me. It's because I was over here. And so it, it's exciting, exciting, man. We had a great week. If you, how many people were able to come to our Easter services last week? Man, it was crazy. We had them everywhere. We had them in the bathroom. I mean, they were, it, it was packed in this place. So it was, it was a great time. So, and, and, and as Caleb already said, he's done a great job setting it up. We're going to complete this uh, I Am Series. I've enjoyed it. I, and and the, the running joke is whatever series we're in is my new favorite series. But this is honestly has been because I love studying God's word and I like taking things like things that Jesus said and going, this is how we apply them to our lives and making it practical. And so this I am has been really, really, really to me one of my favorite series and been so applicable. If you've missed any of them, let me encourage you, you can go and uh, watch online. Journey Community, there's seven, there's six, and then this one. And I, can I do something real fast? I don't get a chance to do this very often. I take for granted, but somebody walked up to me between services and said, thank you so much for the, 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 um, the replays of our services and our Easter service, because I would not be able, because I work shift work, I would not be able to be here every week. So there's a couple of people, like real quick, VJ, uh, you saw him bring out my table. He does a little bit of everything. VJ's part of that. Our sound team, Adam and all those guys, can you just give them a big, just all the AV, the people, they work so hard to make sure week after week after week that we get to do what we do. So it's exciting. So we're going to do Abide. And that's what uh, Caleb's already mentioned we're going to talk about today. And I heard a story. I don't know if it's a true story, but uh, I th- it probably is. It was a, about a kid that was uh, arrested in, um, uh, I think it was Kentucky, for a DUI. And he went in front of the judge, not because Kentucky people have people to do DUIs. That's why I don't think it's true or not. But I got to clarify, I got yelled at between services. Like, I'm very offended that you said Kentucky. And you talk, I didn't say that they, he didn't have any teeth. I just said he was from Kentucky. I just all I said. I didn't. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. <laughs> Welcome to Journey. Um, so he gets arrested for a DUI and they walks in front of the judge and the judge says, as part of your what you're gonna do is you're gonna take a, a five-gallon bucket and you're gonna take it and you're gonna paint the yellow stripe down the middle of the road. And so the first day he did like three miles. Like it was amazing that came in front of the judge and the judge was actually blown out of the world. Like, I cannot believe that you did all that. It was like three miles, like three miles long. You did it. He said, well, let's see what you do next. The next day he comes back and he's only done a a mile and a half. And the judge is kind of like, what's going on with you? Like, you're slacking off. Like, I was so proud of you yesterday. I was telling everybody the system's working. And then you come back in and you and you do this. And he goes, well, give me another chance. So the next day he comes back and he, he does a quarter of a mile. That's all he does, a quarter of a mile, right? And so he comes in front of the judge and he goes, listen, I'm gonna throw you back in jail. What's going on? Like, why? The, the first day you did three miles, the second day you did a mile and a half, and then the third day you did a quarter of a mile. I don't know what's going on with you. He goes, sir, you gotta understand, it takes a long time for me to walk all the way back to that bucket that's way down there. Now, I don't know if it's true or not, but I do know this. That's our walk with Christ at times. There's times where everything seems to be going really well, and we're close to the bucket. We're close to Jesus. I mean, everything seems to be going really well. I mean, we're winning at all the wars we're in. Everything seems to be smooth. The relationships that we're in, our job is great. But then there's moments in our lives where we get further and further away from the bucket, and we wonder why it's not working out. It's because we're further and further away from Jesus. 
Um, anybody athlete, anybody like ever an athlete, like even if you're just an amateur, you think you're an athlete, you can raise your hand real quick. But like one of the things that I've always found, and, and it's, this is true, uh, I, I play golf, I play golf a lot, I'm fairly decent at it, but like there's times where you're in, do you ever hear this term? You're in the zone. Like people say like, man, I was in the zone today. Like everything I did, every ball was straight and every putt, I, I like the, the, the hole seemed like it was this big and the ball seemed like it was this big. Or if you've ever played baseball, like I heard it this past week, I'm a big Braves fan and Max Fried pitched the other night. I think it was against the uh, Dodgers. And, and it, they said, they, they, they said like eight or 10 times, man, he is in the zone. It was the best game. He was in the zone. He was, he was right there. But if you're an athlete or even an amateur athlete or a business person, you know it, like everything you do, like if you're in the zone as a businessman, every sale you make, every time you present, you're presenting great. I mean, it, but there's times where you're not in the zone and you know it, don't you? You know it when things aren't going well and you feel kind of out of, you feel a little out of kilter when the kids aren't listening to you in school or maybe the kids at home aren't listening to you, and there's just something, there's something missing. And when it comes to living the Christian life, what I believe can happen is we can live next to that bucket. We can live close to that bucket all the time. The word abide is the one we're going to talk about today. But there's moments in our lives where we're in the zone and it's easier to walk in faith, right? Has there ever been times in your life where you, you're close to God and it seems like everything good is happening to you? Like you're walking things out and you're seeing things you never saw. You're noticing businesses are opening. God's putting stuff and dropping stuff in your life, your relationship. It's all that kind of stuff. Or maybe it's a living in obedience. How many people struggle with that? But there's times in my life where I've been real close to Christ. It's easier to live in obedience. So one of the things that I've been praying about, and like, please don't judge me or anything, but like one of the things that I want to share Jesus. So I got to a funeral a couple months ago and I was convicted at a funeral by the person in the casket. And the reason I was convicted is everybody that stood up and talked about them said that the number one value of this guy was he would ask everybody, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And I have found myself in my life, the longer I'm a Christian, the less I tell people about Jesus. I do it here on the stage, but I, I'm not rubbing shoulders with the people that need to hear about Jesus. So I've been praying and I've been convicted. And, and so like some of y'all were here last week. Um, I went to Florida turkey hunting. Well, I didn't kill my turkey that first time. So I went back Thursday, Friday, still didn't kill my turkey. But there's a guy, his name is Martin. And if you were here, you heard me talk about like, he, he's like, shoot him, shoot him. You're like, he doesn't, right? And so, but, so I went down with him and we're sitting there in a blind. And when you're with somebody for eight to 10 hours, there's a lot to talk about. And then there's lots of times where there's nothing to talk about, right? Like you're just like looking at each other, scratching, you know. But he said to me, he goes, hey man. And he watched our Easter service, by the way. And I was like, oh man, I, t I talked about you. He says, was that mean you talking about? Yeah, yeah. There it is right there. Come up. Now, so we're sitting there and he goes, and he said, hey, I didn't, since you were here last time, he said, my sister-in-law died. And um, we were really close. And I'm like, oh man. And she was like, he goes like, I, I watched it. Like, I, I don't know a lot about this Jesus stuff, but could you tell me a little bit? And I would love to tell you that right there in that moment, we bowed our knees and we held hands and, and we prayed the sinner's prayer. And I put a notch on my belt because that's what believers do. We think, wow, I got another, none of that happened. But you know something? Planted seeds. And it was literally this. It was literally, I felt like after I got done, God says, you want obedience? Be close to me. Stay close to me. 
You'll, you'll, you'll walk in obedience. And so one of the things that I've noticed, and when I'm closer to that bucket, I walk in obedience. Another thing is I see prayer answered. When I'm closer to Jesus, anybody else, when you're closer to Jesus, when you're spending time when you see prayers answered, it seems like when you're away from them, they don't get answered, or at least they don't get answered the way you thought they were going to get answered. How about this? I experience joy when I'm closer to Jesus, even in the midst of struggle. I mean, James, I, 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 so I said something to the, some of the team earlier today. The last couple, two years have been kind of weird, right? It's been wonky with COVID and we've had some staff members leave and we had some church people leave and we had some staff members come. And I made the comment that that like, it, sometimes it's harder to hire than it is to fire. It's easy to fire, but like vetting people and see if they fit with us and all that. It's just been, a, but you know something? I have found in this season of my life, extreme amounts of joy. Like I, I, I am literally walking in joy. I'm walking because I'm close to Christ. And I know that ultimately he loves this church more than I love this church. And he wants what's best for me because I'm living and abiding. So how can I not be joyous? How can, even when struggles are many, James, right? We live it out. When trials of many kinds come, count it what? Pure joy. I can count it pure joy when struggles are happening because I'm abiding in Christ. And I know he's gonna do a work in me that only he can finish and then ha- handle adversity. Uh, it's amazing to me that when I'm close to Christ, when, I, when, I, when I'm up against stuff, adversity, problems, struggles, I, I kind of go, okay, it's another opportunity for me to see God shine. It's, it's like anybody, and it's like you have that Red Sea moment. You're sitting in the Red Sea in front of you and have the Egyptians behind you, and you go, I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I know I'm going to make it. That's what I'm talking about. And that only happens when we're abiding with Christ. So what does that look like? Well, let's go to John 15. It's the seventh I am statement in the book of John. And this is what we're going to talk about today. So in verse four, it says this, abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the venture. So I love the way he states that. I am the vine, you're not the vine, I'm the vine. You dwell in me, not me and you. And so if you attach yourself to me, there's gonna be a great life. If you think you can do it on your own away from me, there's gonna be some big struggles. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he It is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and the words abide in you, ask whatever you wish. I want you to kind of underline that. We're going to talk about that. It's going to how we're going to close today. But um, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. For this, this, by this, my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So what does it mean to abide? Let's kind of define the word abide first. Well, where you abide, you dwell, and where you stay. Abide is an old English word. Now, I don't know if you use it. I don't use it in my everyday vocabulary. So when I'm going to the Chinese restaurant, I'm going, let's abide together at the Chinese. I don't say it like that, right? I said, let's go hang. So it's kind of one of those words that we don't use a lot. So maybe we don't completely understand it. Abide is an old English word for remain, stay steady, or hold or keep your position. So you don't move. You're anchored to something. When you abide, you're anchored to something, okay? So what it means is abide in Christ is that you're always resting on him. You're anchored, you're fixed, you're drawing from him, continued connected, and you're in touch with him. And if you're a believer, I want to say something because some of you are going, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Because it's easy to take some things in the Bible out of context. You may think by reading that that there's only certain times that you abide in Christ. I believe if we're believers, right, if, if you ever ask Christ to be your Savior, you abide. He abides in you all the time. Everywhere you go, he's right in your midst. That's that's theologically correct, right? Where two or three are gathered, the Holy Spirit in Revelation chapter three says, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. But you've got to admit to me, there's times where you feel like you are away from the bucket. Like that Christ is nowhere to be found. The Holy Spirit is nowhere to be found in your life. 
It's kind of like this. This is my life. I get up at 4, 4.30 just about every morning. This morning, I got up at one o'clock. I was working on this message while I was sleeping. I decided, let's get up and work on it for realsies instead of kind of playing in my head. So at one o'clock, right? And what's gonna happen, my normal day, is I get to work by about 7.30-ish, and already I'm returning emails and text messages, and I'm, I'm, I'm making sure that, you know, I'm working on stuff for Mondays because we have its meeting Mondays so all day. And what happens is I get to 10, 30, 11 o'clock, and then craziness is happening, right? And then there's a couple fires that got to be put out. Then you go to lunch with everybody from work, and then I'll come back at one. I got another appointment. And by four o'clock, you're exhausted. Like, I, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to run for president one day. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I, let me back up. If I ever run for president, this is gonna be my platform that every person that votes for me should get a nap every day of the week at one o'clock. Just a nap, that's my platform, not Republican, Democrat. I am gonna give everybody a nap. I think it's fantastic. It's a great platform, right? So by four o'clock, I'm, ex is anybody, like, am I just talking to me? Like, I'm exhausted. And then if you have kids, you're running them around to baseball and softball and soccer and dance and cheer. And I mean, everything else is going on, right? And then about 6.30, 7 o'clock, maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock, you finally get home and then you're eating dinner. That's me. Tomorrow night, I'll eat dinner probably 8.30, 9 o'clock by the time I get done with all my meetings. And then by 9.30 or 10 o'clock, you know what I am? I'm exhausted. I am sitting in the chair and many times I just fall asleep right there. There's been no time in the point of my day where I have abided in Christ. There's never been a moment because I haven't allowed time for the moment. I have been at breakneck speed since the moment I get up. And the question today, really honestly, is this. Could you imagine how your life would be different if you included Christ in everything? If you took those mundane moments and made them sacred and holy? If you took the normal day, imagine how it would be different. If every moment in our lives, every moment was sacred and it was holy and we looked at it that way. How cool would that be? How, how would your life, how would my life change. A friend of mine is actually doing this. He works, um, he worked at Textron for a long time. He was on an assembly line. And I think he was putting those bad boy buggy things together. And he said, when he first got there, he was like, man, they're paying me a lot of money to put like one part on. And he said, but it was so mundane. It was so boring. Like I almost quit. And then he said, you know something I started doing? He said, I decided to take this, take this mundane and make it sacred and holy. So what he would do is he would literally, they would allow him to, 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 to have one earbud in. So he would listen to messages and he, he's on shift work. So he couldn't hear on that. So he'd go to our online platforms and he would listen to them on, you know, Spotify and all that kind of stuff. And so, and then he would sing the songs they were singing. Like, I don't know about you guys. When a song gets stuck in my head, last week, I got to admit, last week, there was our, our keyboard player, Matt, said we were talking about old TV shows like Sanford and Son, right? Y'all remember that? And good time. Well, I have never, he said one, the Golden Girls. I'm, stop, I've never seen it. Never seen it. We'll never see it. But they started singing the song. Thank you for being a friend. Oh my gosh, it was in my head all Easter. I walked up on the stage after second service going, thank you for being a friend. So he would listen to music and he would listen to the songs that we were singing on Sunday and he would quote scripture and he was listening to the messages and all that kind of stuff. And he said, I took a mundane job and I turned it into something sacred and holy. And then I started asking God for opportunities. And at lunchtime, God started giving opportunities. There's a lady that works at, she comes to Journey and she comes usually to 1230 service. She works at the post office. But before she was working at the desk, she was actually a carrier. 
And she said, that was the most exciting time of my life because at first I just kind of went through it and I put people's mail in there. And then I started reading people's names and I started praying for them. And so every time, wow, like, could you, how cool it, like, she has like a, a client list, like bigger than anybody else. Like everybody on her things is, I'm going to pray for, you know, you know, whoever, Bobby, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to. And so she started praying. Well, she started knowing these people by name. And then she started telling them, hey, I want you to know I was praying for you. And she started inviting them to church. And then they started coming out because they had prayer requests. Took something mundane, just a job, and turned it into something productive. That's what God does when we abide in him. Jesus said, abide in me and I will abide in you. Include me in all the details of your life. And you know what happens? I will fill your life with my presence. That's the promise that he makes in John. And so what does that actually mean? Can we just kind of break it down and kind of, um, you know, take a look at it from maybe not here, but here today. And the first thing that I want us all to get is when you abide in Christ, you become more productive in every area of your life. And I'm not talking about, and maybe you don't know what this is and that's fine. The, I'm not talking about blabbing it and grabbing it. I'm not talking about you're driving a Pinto and you're calling it a BMW and you think God's going to switch them out somehow supernaturally. Because, you know, there's theology out there that we're going to blab it and grab it. We're just going to, I believe that a million dollars is coming my way. You know something? You can't, you, listen, you can't handle a thousand dollars. He's not giving you a million dollars. I'm just going to be practical, right? Let's be real. And, and so it's one of those deals where I'm not talking about that kind of productivity. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the things that really matter. I'm talking about those sacred things, you know, the, the marriages and relationships. So this way he says in John 15, 1, he says, I'm the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. There's a purpose. He wants us to bear fruit in our lives. Already you are clean because of the world, uh, because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying, listen, when you are abiding in the vine, you're gonna produce fruit. And what does that look like? He's talking about everything. I, I believe this with everything. He's talking about everything that you put your hands to, God will produce fruit in it. Everything. So for some, it's it's your labor, your job, you know, whatever. It'll be more productive. Like, I think you can do more with less time when you're abiding in Christ. When you give him the best part of your day every day, he takes the other stuff and he blesses that mess, doesn't he? How about this? You'll do your job better and you'll get, I think you'll get better results. You'll re, you, Listen, one of the things I've learned, when I'm abiding in Christ, my relationships are better. When I'm not abiding in Christ, my relationships are scattered all over the place. It's because we're kind of, especially if I got the person I'm developing a relationship, if they're abiding in Christ, oh my goodness, that relationship's flourishing. How about your marriage? How about your relationship with your kids? I think all of that becomes healthy. I'm talking about every, every moment of your life becomes sacred and holy, and God will bless it. Um, anybody like golf? Like, I'm not to play it, like to watch it. Like, I love watching the Masters. Like, if you don't know what the Masters is, it's a little tournament we have right down the road. They wear a lot of green during it. They have a little. So um, I, I am a history kind of guy. And a matter of fact, our social media director put out this past week, what is one class that you would like to redo in, in high school? Mine would be history because I love it now. Like, I, but I was watching, and there's a guy named Zach Johnson. Zach Johnson won the Masters a couple years ago, a few years ago. And they were showing replays of it. And when he was walking around, I noticed he kept shutting his eyes. Like they were playing and he'd shut his eyes. He'd, he'd stand by a tree and he'd shut his eyes. And then he was like, like, he was mumbling to himself. Now I mumble to myself too. 
I've heard some of you do it. Now, the problem is when you start listening to your mumbling, right? And so he's mumbling. To, well, you know what he, I found out he was doing? He said, listen, this is my workplace. This is, this is my job. This is how I pay the bills. This is how I put my kids through college. This is how I pay for my everything. This is my job. He said, but I was going to turn my job into something sacred and holy. He said, I wasn't praying for peace on the golf course. I was praying for productivity on the golf course. I was praying that, that in my job that I would honor God, that in my job I would make him famous. See, everything we do. Now, I'm not saying he won the master. That's like saying we won the football game because both teams prayed, right? And Georgia won. I don't know how it works out. I think Athens is in the Bible and Tuscaloosa isn't. Abiding in Jesus, I think it's good. And, and, and please don't take this, don't carry this off in the wrong direction. I believe when I'm abiding in Christ, I am more productive in every area of my life, period. And, and then on top of that, there's a fruit that the Bible talks about that I think is more apparent in my life. It, it's the fruit that's found in Galatians chapter 5.22. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. How many people need more love in their life? Not just with people that you like. I say everybody, yeah, oh no. How about this? How many people need joy? I mean, by and large, the church looks like it's been baptized in pickle juice. If God wants me to do that, I'll do whatever he tells me to do. How about peace? Don't tell me the last couple of years haven't, haven't kind of changed how we look at peace. Patience, let's skip that one. <laughs> right? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. I love this little part here. There is no law, which means there is no amount. There's no parameters on it. God wants to pour as much. When you abide in him, he pours out as much as you can handle of that stuff. That's what the fruit, that's productivity. How about this? Not only that, not only you're more productive, you're more selective. I think you're more selective in what you do. I'm more selective when I'm abiding in Christ. I realize the difference between better and best and not just kind of doing the things like kind of haphazardly going through life. He says, I'm the true vine in verse one again. And the father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prints. Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean even stuff that's productive you're going to prune? Oh, my good. Why? There's a reason for it. Three years ago, I um, bought a house up in Thompson. Uh, Appling, not Thompson. I want to go to Thompson, but I'm in Appling right now. But we bought a house. We love the house. The contractors did an amazing job renovating a house that was 40 years old. It looks brand new. It's beautiful. Hardwood. I mean, it's amazing. But the outside was stuff that hadn't been pruned in 20 years probably. And so we had these real tall trees. And so I bought a chainsaw. Yes, I did. <laughs> and Gina would go, take that. Yes, I will. She did. And I just started whacking trees down. One day we had piles. She goes, now what are we going to do with it? I said, you're going to pick it all up. But we had these things called crepe myrtles, right? Anybody know what a crepe myrtle is? So when I moved down here in 19... Um, 88, I moved down here and I worked for a company called Springman Nursery. The owner of the company actually comes to our church. He was in first service. Uh, James is a great guy. And so James dropped me off. It was February um, 15th. I moved down here February 14th. We uh, started working for him. And he, told, he said, I'm gonna, I want you to prune these crepe myrtles. 
So I said, perfect. So I have my little sheath with my pruners. I thought I was doing a bonsai. So six hours later, he comes, and I've got like this little pile of sticks about this big. And I said, man, I did a great job on these, didn't I? He goes, no, you did not. <laughs> and he said, let me show you how to do this. And he took those lopping shears and shoop up. And I'm talking, there was like three quarters of the tree was on the ground. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? This thing's never coming back to life. And before you know it, they were all down about that high off the ground. And I said, they're not going to die. I don't know where you got your degree from, but <laughs> probably Tuscaloosa. <laughs> so anyway, three or four months later, they're beautiful. And so we, we learned. So there's a, one of the things that wine companies do, and I, and I didn't know this. One of the things they do is the right amount of trimming, right, brings the best grapes and the most full grapes. Too little trimming brings a real bitter. Too much trimming, um, there's, there's real flat. And one of the things that there was a statement I was, I was reading about this. It was a really cool statement. And they said this, what happens if you don't prune? Now listen to this. What happens if you don't prune? The vines go back to their wild state where they're just all over the place. Oh my gosh, that's me. When I'm not pruned, I go back to my wild state. Like seriously, when I go back, when God doesn't do the pruning on me, you know what happens? I am running freely all over the place and the fruit is not that good. It's sour, you know, it's angry, it's, it's bitter, it's resentful, it's all that stuff. And so the same things, and that's why he uses this analogy because we're just like that. Life is a process of pruning in which we learn to separate the good from the bad and the good from the best. And there's times in our lives that we don't, we don't quite understand that. Well, how do we do that? How, how does God do that? Let me give you a couple real quick ones, and then we're going to have to run to the next point, and then we're going to baptize until we agree. Here's the deal. I think one of the ways that he prunes is through his word. I have realized that the more I'm in God's word, the more I realize how short I fall from what God wants me to be. And so he prunes like all you know how else? By spending time with him in prayer. Seriously, there's moments where I'll go, I'll even pray. You ever do this? I'm even embarrassed. I'll pray a certain prayer and, and, and it'll be like, uh-uh. You don't need that. You want that. You don't need that. That will not be good for you. That, that, that will not be good for the church. How about this? How about through people? Do you know God uses other people um, that are following after Christ, that are in his word, that understand the spirit of God, that he uses those people to prune some stuff from you? Not only that, here's the listening to biblical teaching. I believe that's why church is so important. There's, this is not the only show. I get it. You, you get biblical teaching by reading books and all that kind of, but this is a great place to start because I, I feel like we teach God's word every week. Somebody should say amen to that. Every week. Somebody should say amen to that. <laughs> okay. All right. What kind of things does he want us to get out of our lives? Three things real quick. Time-wasting activities. And I don't mean recreation. Everybody in this room needs recreation. You know what I realized? I spend too much time on this thing. I, so I got a message just before first service, and I was like, I want a T-shirt for this one. My screen time was down 43% from last week. When? Because you know what happens if I get on this thing? Y'all drive me nuts. I'm looking at your Facebook and wondering if you're mad at me or not mad at me or like me or don't like me, or I'm on Marketplace trying to figure out what I can buy so I can resell it. 
time-wasting activities when I could be doing something God wants me to do, like talking to my wife. She's not here this service, I can say that. How about this, destructive relationships? I'm not talking about relationships with unbelievers. I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, relationships that deplete you. They actually, they, 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 max, they, they max out everything that's in you. And I believe it's perfectly fine to say, you know something, I, I don't think we need to be friends anymore. Now, over the last couple of years, I've had to do that several different times and my life has been better for it because I needed to be selective in my relationship. I only have so much time in a day. You know that? You only have so much time. You better, you better, you better use it with people that are filling your tank back up. Here's the third thing, this one. Sinful behavior. I don't need to talk about this still. We all know, we, if you read the Bible, you know what sinful behavior is. I don't have to sit up here and tell you and get on my soapbox. These are all the sins in the Bible. We know it. If you have to ask, so when your kid, daddy, can I do this? Is this okay for me to do? If you have to ask me, probably not. Well, if you have to ask me what's sin or not sin, it's probably sin. And maybe we should try this. If this is the line, instead of seeing how close we can get to it, maybe we should see how far we should get from it. Maybe that's a better way to handle sin, okay? So destructive activities. Let me give you the last one. We're gonna close right here. The prayers, your prayers, my prayers, I believe are more effective. Uh, it's like this. You know, some of us think that God is like, like a babysitter, like, like the babysitter that's been working, you know, watching your kids and they come home and the kids are asleep and everything's good. And then she goes, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. One little thing happened. Um, you may have to buy a pony tomorrow morning. Right? Well, what do you mean? Well, all over the place. And then all of a sudden I said that you guys were going to buy him a pony and everything was fine. And sometimes we feel like God is that babysitter that we just ask and he brings us a pony. That's not what he is. But preachers have also tried to justify this passage and preach around this passage. But I'm telling you, I want to speak on this for a couple seconds because I think this is important. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, preface, right? You're, you're linked with God. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, uh, by this is my father uh, is glorified that you will bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Meaning when I'm abiding in Christ, right? He'll give me whatever I ask or whatever I wish. James says the same thing. Listen, confess your sins, one another, pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results, fruitfulness. You know what the difference is? Is when you're abiding in Christ, it's not all about wants, it's about needs. And you're asking for things, not selfishly, you're asking for things that bring him glory. You're not asking for things that, that somehow or another satisfy your flesh. You're asking for God to do things in your spirit, to change you. That's the difference. So it's not about, I want a new car. It's, God, can you bring me what my needs are? Is that what you're doing with him? Let me tell you exactly what Jesus meant by this passage. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. That's it. He meant what he said. But he also expects us to be close to him and asking the right things. Because the ultimate goal, can I just share, here's the ultimate goal. Walk out of here with this. The ultimate goal is that I would look more like Jesus in the world that I live in. That's the ultimate goal. 
You know, there's, there's a fact that people in the same house start looking like each other. I saw one this past, I almost put a picture. People with animals start looking like they're animals. And some, the 80s were good for the poodle hair, right? Right? If you have hair. Then there's that cat, that skinless cat thing. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about? So my, my assistant was telling me something this past week as we were kind of researching this. Do, do you know this? And, and she said that my daughter is looking like me. And she said, but the weird thing is, we're not blood related. She's adopted. But she started taking on mannerisms and actions and facial expressions and started looking. That's the ultimate goal for every one of us, that we would look more like Jesus. Not like Justin, not like Bobby, not like Stephen Furtick, not like Andy Stanley, like Jesus. And if we end our life, and when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, you look like me, we've done a good job, haven't we? In our lives, we've done a good job. If at the end of it, it can be raining, that we are more like Christ. Amen? So we're gonna continue. Today's the day of celebration. We completed a series. We can celebrate what happened last week with the resurrection like Justin talked about already. But we also get to celebrate with you this, this baptism. And we're gonna be led in a song in a minute and the folks that are gonna come up. And I, and I have a feeling it's gonna happen just like it did first service. If not, it's okay. But we had three people signed up for baptism. We end up baptizing, I think, three or four more. And there was no begging. The Holy Spirit fell on this place and people just responded to it. And that's what I wanna have happen right now. And so I'm gonna ask you all to stand up. We're gonna pray together real quick. I wanna say thanks for coming. If you're here for baptism, thanks for coming. We believe that baptism is an act of worship. And you're gonna see us do it as an act of worship. So during the song that we're being led in, myself and I think Pastor Tracy's with me in this service, um, we're gonna be praying for people and we're gonna be baptizing them. People are gonna go, if you're, not, if you're new around here, people are gonna go crazy when they come out of the water. It's a celebration. And so we're gonna do baptism that way. And maybe you didn't come prepared. That's okay. We've got extra shirts, we've got towels. And maybe at some point while we're baptizing other people, you just wanna come up here and jump in line. Somebody, there'll be a bunch of people with red shirts here. They'll be more than willing to help you in every area. Maybe today your next step is asking Christ to be your savior. Maybe you've never done that today. You're not asking me. You don't have to have a conversation with me. It's a conversation you have with the heavenly father. And just talk to him today. God, I'm miserable without you. I need you in my life. I need you in my life. I am miserable. Y'all ever been like that? That you are miserable without him and you just need Jesus to fill that gap. That's me. You know, maybe today, maybe today your next step is baptism. You didn't come prepared. We'll take care of it. Or maybe it's, you know, signing up for something that, that we're gonna talk about maybe in a few minutes when Caleb comes back up. But whatever it is, we all have a next step. Let's pray together. Why don't you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, thank you for this moment. This, 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 this sacred and holy moment where we get to acknowledge what you're doing in our lives publicly, where we tell the world what you're doing, Jesus. And so we're so thankful for that moment. And God, maybe there's people right here, right now in this moment that are having a conversation with you. Maybe they've never made that decision or maybe they've walked away from you and today they realize that they, they've been unattached to the vine for a long time. And today they want to get back grafted into the vine. Please, just have that conversation with him right now. It's real easy. I'm, 
I knew you, God. I'm, a, I'm away from you now, and I want to get close to you again. Would you help me walk through that process? God, I pray for every person that's on this campus, watching down at Sherwood, out in our atrium, watching online. God, that they would sense your presence in this very holy moment. God, accept our worship and our praise. In Jesus' name, we pray. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.